This episode of Quit the Build is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at tryexpressvpn.com slash QTB. That's T-R-Y expressvpn.com slash QTB to learn more. Get ready to quit the build. The QTB crew is rounding up all the gaming news and hot topics of the week with a little extra something. And here are your hosts, Bruno and Nick. What it do? You're listening to the QTB podcast. I'm your host, Bruno. And with me, as always, is my childhood friend and co-host, Norfolk Grace Group. It's Nick. Norfolk Grace Group. That sounds like a like a local like praise and worship band that's trying to make it big, you know? We are Norfolk Grace Group. Here's a, here's a cover of Newsboys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They're, yes. they're cheering for you. Woo! Go Norfolk Grace Group. We love you. Do the Newsboys we again. We are here. <laughs> Hello, the Denny's of a Norfolk Grace Group. Ah, uh, the Denny's. Well, here we are, Bruno. It's time for some video game news. How about that? Yep, we're on episode 72, Nick. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I did. I, wow. I did because I wrote the show notes. I'm looking. Okay. Well, I, I, I well, I didn't know if you did or if you grabbed it from our one of our many assistants out there, our non-existent uh, yeah. helpers, of course, of the QTV podcast. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get into some gaming news. But first. I'll tell you who our helpers are, Bruno, and that is our Patreon supporters, of course. Damn. It is. Yeah, there you know, it is. Patreon, we're going big th- these days because not only are you getting the Gotta Watch Patreon content, which is early content, plus some bonus content down the road, we'll be announcing something uh, along those lines soon, but also the bonus Nostalgia Vault content on the Quit the Build side. We're doing deep dives Ooh, on all your favorite my. games. And I, I say all your favorite games because literally our listeners get to decide what games we talk about for that that monthly bonus content. We, uh, we dropped our Mario 64 episode uh, for last month, and we are now taking suggestions uh, from our uh, patrons for this month's content. So if there's Ooh. something you really want to hear the QTB crew talk about, let us know yeah. right there at uh, patreon.com slash quit the build. Tiers start as low as $2 a month, and by far is the easiest and most direct way to support what we do here at the QTB network. As always, thank you to our Patreon supporters like Nick Nick, Epic Capture Productions, the Dudist Monk, Indie Gamiacs, and Alan Abadessa. Well, Bruno, we had just yeah. a, a massive week of news. A lot of it happening really within the, 20, the last like 24 hours, which is great for us uh, when, when yeah, we record. We I'll like tell that. you, it's, it's, more often than not, it feels like you know, sometimes you, you do the episode and then the big news drops the next day, but that's that's life. That's the uh, la vie, as they say. But we, we, we got big yeah. things to talk about here. And a little bit later, we're going to be talking about how Ghost Recon, they had their uh, 20th anniversary showcase. And in that, they announced a new free-to-play class-based battle royale first-person shooter. Try saying that 10 times fast. Wow. <laughs> and a little bit later, we'll be talking about the uh, the absolute juggernaut that is Apple um, and how apparently they made more money on gaming than Xbox, Sony, Nintendo, and Activision combined in 2019. We'll break down the numbers. Uh, well, that's not greedy at all, the fact that they've kicked Fortnite off of there in pursuit of even more money. <laughs> Corporation's going to corporate. That's how you, <laughs> that's how you do it. going to corporate. Absolutely. But Bruno, the big story for today, and this is coming from Ars Technica, but it's all over the internet, so let me tell you something, is okay, the announcement of the final DLC character for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. All right. It has been announced to be the one and only Sora from Kingdom Hearts. How about that? Woo! Oh, yeah. 
very exciting. And yes. I'm going to tell you something, Crowd man. Loved it. Everybody loves it. Even if you're not big into JRPGs, there's a very good chance that you have either played a Kingdom Hearts game or at least somewhat familiar with what's going on there in Kingdom Hearts world. And, oh, yeah, you know, you've at least seen a guy wield a giant key, like a sword. One of the most so. iconic weapons of all time in gaming, right? Every, everyone else is trying to make you know, these cool, bigger, uh, you know, more more, more BA swords, right, with all the, the cool designs on them and that kind of stuff. And they're like, eh, make it a key. Yep, my man's got a key over there. <laughs> Just, key to unlock yeah. all, the, all the magic, all the magic of Disney. All the magic of Disney, that's right. Yeah, so Nintendo did reveal, uh, we talked about on the last episode about how the Nintendo Direct, right? They they said, "Well, we're gonna we're announcing the date for the final character." And you had a very interesting insight, Bruno, that I think holds up. You had said, "You know, why? Even if they have all that information ready to go, why would they let that that DLC drop if it's a big one? Completely overshadow yeah. the rest of of what was going on in that Nintendo Direct." And I think yeah. you were right because I think if they would have dropped this, the only thing people would have been talking about all the the trending Twitter hashtags as it, as happened today would have just all yeah. been Sora, right? There would have been no yeah, totally. no talk about the other games. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's 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 a very strategic marketing move to say we're going to withhold some information here and then do its own release later on. I know a lot of people were upset about that considering uh, you know, we we just we're in this stage in life right now where everything is presented to us instantly and we have pretty much access to everything all at once, yeah. binge watching. So it's hard for us to have to wait for something, but sometimes good things come to those who wait, right? And this is no different. This is this deserved its own reveal, in my opinion. And I think the, especially wrapping up uh, Smash Brothers, you know, with this iconic character is, is exactly what fans want. Considering we've talked and floated around several ideas for who could be the next character or the final character, do you think that this one really is is going to make all the fans happy? It's going to make as many happy as possible, right? As gotcha. long as there are a finite number of slots, there's always going to be people that wanted somebody else. And I, I did see some disappointment on Twitter, but I mean, that happens every time. But no, statistically speaking, Bruno, according to Nintendo, this was the most requested character. So oh, wow. they revealed this information, and I remember this back in the, the, the during the previous Smash game for the Wii U. They had this thing called the Smash Ballot, where you yeah. could go in online and you could literally nominate a character. Oh, okay. And uh, there were petitions that people would get going, hey, nominate this character, and so-and-so. And, and I know that Cloud and Bayonetta actually got added to the game because of the Smash Ballot. So many people wrote oh. in and said, we really want these characters in the game, that they ended up making it happen. But Sora... All these years later, we're finding out was they, they never published the results. Sora was the number ah. one number one result from that, and they were they were very smart about this because when they did the Smash ballot, there were only a few more characters I think left to announce. There was like one more like fighter pass that they do with like a, yeah. a block of characters, and so rather than be like, oh well, Sora was number one, but we couldn't get him for you, right? They're not going to reveal that information. <laughs> these guys play the long game. I mean, Sakurai and company over there at Sora is actually that Sora like LTD is the name of the company that that makes Smash. Ironically, no relation <laughs> to the character, but That's for funny. them to withhold that information with, uh, you have to assume the intent of, well, if we ever make a new game, we're going to revisit it and then getting him in at the buzzer, right? As the final character, they probably knew he was going to be in the game long before that, but they probably wanted him to oh, be yeah. the capstone on their DLC content. And then they can come out with, Hey, look at this all these years later, 
You know, you asked the number one requested character, we got him in for you. That's like the ultimate fan service, right? Oh, I agree. I would, I would say so. And I think that this really rounds out what Smash is all about, right? I think Sora encapsulates that too, is as a character who navigates through the world of Disney and all of the Disney characters kind of tag along for these adventures that obviously this is this looking back on it it almost seems like the obvious choice right that that this would be the character that they would reveal uh it's it's although i would say there is still sadness i understand the disappointment and sadness of 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 fans because we look at this and we say well this is this is the last one for this this game series right yeah uh but my question for you is do you think now that we have these iconic list of characters that let's say for the next smash brothers game whenever that may be uh looking to the future that this entire roster will carry over or do you think that we'll lose some along the way for them to make room for other characters so tough to say because you know sakurai has said on many occasions while making smash games about how uh, at least implying how burnt out he gets and because smash brothers is a passion project for him and and the team that Mm. works around them it really is they know they they got to make money at the end of the day but they also know how to keep their fans happy so when we went from the super smash brothers brawl okay over to smash brothers for the wii u we yeah. lost some characters along the way. One of the first times, not not the first time, but we had probably had the most characters drop off in between games. Characters like Solid Snake didn't make a return. They were they were fan oh. favorites. Definitely. You know, to have such a, a, a crazy character like that that you wouldn't expect yeah. in such a happy-go-lucky, you know, game like this. I love the box. Yeah, definitely. I love the box. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, when you start to look at how Smash Ultimate approached things, right? When they did the reveal, their whole thing was everyone is here. And that's what would freaked out so many people when they when they did the first character uh, announcement trailer for Smash Ultimate. And they started to show, you know, Ice Climbers are back. And a lot of the uh, the, the mirror fighters, the Echo Fighters, they call them, um, like Falco is a, is a kind of a, an offshoot of Fox. He's back. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Snake, once people saw Snake is back and it says everyone is here, people flipped out because it's like, okay, they're they're going all in. The problem yeah. is that with every new franchise that you bring in, the legal hurdles become greater. I think of like Rock Band, for example, of over the years, you know, they amassed this massive catalog of, of, of songs. But the problem became a lot of those uh, agreements, those DLC agreements were for a yeah. limited amount of time. And so it, it became complicated where to get your music to the, to the next game and to the next game. There were more and more hoops that you had to mm-hmm. jump through that yeah. eventually got cut off. Like right now, if you own Rock Band 1, you can't get Rock Band uh, 3 to get those songs added into the game. Like there was a cutoff that was like five or six years ago. That's oh, just wow. one example. But I think, yeah. you know, Sora being in there is probably going to be one of the hardest IPs to bring into a new game. Because, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll notice that in the reveal trailer and in, in the entire presentation of his abilities and even the spirits, like little, little collectible stickers in the game, there yeah. are no Disney characters. It is just the the Square Enix side of Kingdom Hearts. You yeah. know, I think Disney technically owns these characters. So you have Sora uh, and some of the other characters like Riku and Kairi appear in the background. But the only reference to Disney is the the Mickey Mouse keychain that naturally appears on the Keyblade. The fact that they scrubbed Disney characters from this shows there was probably a lot of legal hurdles they had to jump and probably the ultimate compromise 
was that there couldn't be Goofy, there couldn't be Mickey. Kind of a letdown. Yeah, I can understand that. I can see how those those uh, legal hurdles would, would hinder something like the continuation of a character from game to game. I will say, though, that companies are becoming more inclined to include those types of clauses within their contracts because they know that the future of of gaming relies on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're getting into this era now where there's so much licensed content out there that if we're not having some open-ended agreement where we can continue on with these characters, then why even introduce them in the first place? Right. Um, it just becomes, uh, you know, it becomes one of those time pieces where you're like, well, you've got to have, like we, we talked about, you got to have that game to, uh, to fully experience that character. I hope that isn't the case with this and that we can continue to see sort of in future iterations of smash brothers but i know what this means for you nick this means another amiibo to add to the case i'm just happy yes. we have a definitive cutoff because the case is, is is i think i'm gonna have to put put some amiibos on top of the case at this point to actually make it work oh man that's awesome my kids are the amiibos now he loves those things i i, I yeah. tried to keep him away and finally one day as a reward i'm like you know what you can play with you can pick one amiibo he'll go in and pick one amiibo out at a time but he's, he's gotten wow. drool on more than one i'll put it to you that way <laughs> that's a dad for you I, right there I, I knew it was coming i knew it was coming but yeah it's just it's just challenging i think that when you have this many games and i, I i'm thinking more just about the sheer amount of work that goes into a smash game rather than like the legal issues because you yeah. think about how much time they've put Balance, into every yeah. character and then you they introduce these wild cards like Steve, right, from Minecraft with with mechanics. Steve, mucking up the works like always. Man, it's yeah. never a moment that there isn't Steve involved, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but also, one, one other surprise that came from this reveal, the Mii costumes usually have a surprise or two in there with collabs, and we got Doom Guy as a oh. Mii gunner. That was so cute. The kids love that. Yeah, one. the kids love demons and and uh, uh, Doom guy running around. I, I I can tell. That's just that's yeah. a that's a fan favorite for the kids under five. So oh yeah, we are we're firing <laughs> on all cylinders for this reveal. But yeah. yeah, I think that's a great way to add in characters without you know, giving them their own slot, right? Right. Like, you know, having Doom Guy or even, you know, Halo, right? Master Chief or Arbiter or or even Kratos from God of War would be, you know, an an addition to this. But if you can just make them cute and give them a me costume, then it's a win-win. It really is. And they, they oftentimes go the extra mile. They're like 75 cent like costumes you can download, but some of them like Cuphead, are actual reskins. It's not just like a cheap costume. Like you, you, yeah. you actually look like Cuphead, and they in- included one of the songs from the game that you unlock when Ooh. you get that character. Um, Sans from Undertale, and of course, Megalovania, uh, very well known song. Uh, also made it in there. So yeah, there are there are some very cool collabs that have come through the costumes. And yeah. you're right, you're right. It, it saves them the stress of having to make an entire character. But I just love, because people talked about for the longest time about how Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing came out at the same time and, and people were were posting like you know fan art of of, of <laughs> Isabel and Doom Guy like together you know like like, like <laughs> sipping tea and then slaying demons together um Aww. so for them to now be in the same game you can't go wrong there <laughs> that is that's a, that's just a love story it is it is now Bruno I have a very important ooh oh, wow 
That was a multi-part sound effect. Now, Bruno, my question for you is, do you think uh-huh. you could spike your hair like that? I have been trying to spike my hair like that ever since I saw Gundam Wing back when I was a wee lad. Yeah. When, uh, you know, I was a big fan of anime hair. So if I had enough hair, I just recently got a haircut. If you asked me before, I would have been like, yeah, I could probably swing something like that with <laughs> the little hairs that I have left on my head. Yeah. But no, I, I, I think we should, this should be a staple of modern fashion is, is this, this hairstyle right here. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it looks like what I assume Ash Ketchum's hair would look like if he took off his hat yeah. every once in a while and just did something with it. Just full But it's, it's flawless. Like, yeah. it really is. I just... And here's the thing, Nick, right? Like, if you ever... Have you, have you ever seen pictures of the, like, Harajuku scene in Japan? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that fashion oh, yeah, style. Yeah, like the, right. like, fashion scene in Japan. Some of those... Some of those kids really do their hair like this, and it is impressive i am very impressed oh yeah, you know, give him one of those <laughs> the, the, the hair product industry is uh is is hoping that people uh make these trends catch on i remember once i was at a uh a, a sleepover with some friends and uh shout out to Oren if you're listening to this and oh. yeah and Oren had the spiky hair right and i, I thought yeah, yeah. it was the coolest thing ever and i wanted to yeah. emulate that and so once we went over to his house and I got to use like the super maximum strength, like hair putty that he had. Oh yeah. And I, I'll, I'll never forget. They, we, we'd loaded my hair up with it, stuck it straight up. And then they hung me like off of the couch so that my, my head was facing down. So the hair was just sticking straight down and let yeah, gravity, so gravity do its thing. Just, yeah. And I mean, I came out of it looking like a number two pencil. It was fantastic. Nice. <laughs> you look like Beekman's world. Do you remember that? <laughs> Beekman's world. That is a throwback. Yeah. I don't even. I don't even. I don't even know where that came from. The depths of my soul. But <laughs> 1992 educational show. Woo, this you, this dude. was literally my mind when you did that. I was going like this. I like reached into the depths of my brain to pull that one out. I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been there. And you're right. You had to let some gravity help out because otherwise it was going to fall flat before you knew it. And then that's just not what that's not what we needed. No shot. Well, I'll tell you what won't fall flat, Bruno. And that is any kind of marketing media that you get done through our sponsor, Pierce Unlimited. For marketing media that works and bespoke design to power your business. Visit PierceUnlimited.com. Yes, let's transition. (laughs) Meanwhile, Ghost Recon, right? We had this this 20th anniversary showcase, right? In regards to, uh, you know, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint, among other things. A lot going on there. Can't believe it's been out for 20 years. I'm getting old. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you are. (laughs) But one of the big reveals that happened in this that's got people talking, Bruno, and that is Ghost Recon Frontline. I'm not sure that we knew this one was coming. So this is going to be a free-to-play, class-based battle royale, first-person shooter. Uh, wow. And we're going to need to figure out a better way to say that. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a mouthful right there. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Um, we got a, a very brief trailer during this uh, about what kind of they're aiming for with it. Very early on, we're going to be getting a limited uh, closed beta, I think, in Europe only later this month. So... Uh, all our all our UK and beyond friends, let us know how that turns out. The game uh, behind the idea behind it, it will support up to a hundred players. 
uh, in a team-based uh, arena, rather, uh, that's across a large open battleground. It is a battle royale game, and this story uh, compliments a PCGamer.com, by the way. The flagship mode for this is going to be called Expedition, okay? It's going to have okay. actually o- over 100, 102 players, I guess, because you have three teams. you got to have an even number, and 99 wasn't going to cut it. <laughs> and they said, yeah. bump it up to 102. Uh, <laughs> 34 players well, per yeah, team. Yeah. I mean, it makes it for just from the sound of it, they're just like, you know what? You know what would be fun if we took everything ever and put it into one game? <laughs> Tom, there's no <laughs> way we could do that. There's, we don't have the Tom. resources. Get the resources. Get them. That's right. We need to bring this to the people. And an F2 PCBBRFPS is exactly <laughs> what the gaming community <laughs> is clamoring for. Obviously. Say it again. <laughs> an F2 PCBBRFPS. <laughs> That's the greatest thing ever. Has to st- <laughs> Listen, QTB audience, we have to make this yeah. stick. Write that down. Jot it down. Take some notes. F- hashtag F2P it. Hash brown it. C-B-B-R-F-B-S. <laughs> That's what this is. Oh, we're is. so clipping we that. We want this as a genre. Yeah. We're so clipping that. Oh, Ubisoft, you're welcome. Oh, man. <laughs> we nailed it. That's right. So, yeah, the idea behind this, um, and it's cool because uh, like a lot of, of Ghost Recon or just Tom Clancy games, there's a lot of customization that go, goes into it, right? So there's going to be some class system type things in there. You'll be able to customize and upgrade your characters. Uh, Different classes will have unique skill paths and will have their own, you know, additional things you can load out and switch out, some of which can even be swapped out on the fly. I'm not so sure if Battle Royale is the right term for this, and I'm wondering how loosely they're using it because their flagship mode is called Expedition, um, and it's going to have three different teams working together. They're going to have objectives. Um, they'll have to gather intel and then, of course, escape from the map with the the extraction process, right? They have to call in that extraction team to get the intel out will be kind of the, the moment where the other teams can be like, oh, they're going they're going for the win, you know, and try to intercept yeah. them. So that's going to be almost, almost guaranteed to be a big battle. I don't know. Do you, do you think that the, the term battle royale is used a bit too loosely these days? Maybe I it might be used too loosely depending on what the what the end game is with this, right? Like I always imagine that a team-based battle royale game might be something really interesting where you get down to maybe you have start off with two teams, right? And it's 50 versus 50 and you know, you whittle it down and then there's a second wave where it splits you into oh. another set of two teams and then you finally get down to you know where you're working with some people sometime and then not not you know you're going against them in other times i think that would be really interesting too so it really is it, it's dependent on how they set up the game in terms of how many teams there are with this and and how it goes about you know how the respawn system works if there is or isn't one i think that might be what dictates a battle royale in terms of like yeah. everyone loads into one central map and then there is only one map and then you do these objectives or whatever it is and then you come out it as the victor or not mm-hmm. now had that being said if you watch any battle royale type movies like battle royale or hunger games or anything there's always an element where in the beginning they're working with each other and then they eventually have to mm. uh, split up and and work for themselves so i think that that might be yet to be seen in any video game i don't really i don't think there's something out there correct me if i'm wrong 
uh, listener, if you out there know of a game that's similar to that where you know, it splits you up at the end. That would be pretty interesting. But, you know, I don't know. It's 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 definitely going to be interesting to see something else being added to the mix in terms of first-person shooters. I like first-person shooters. Yeah. Uh, Free-to-play is right up my alley. And I think we finally reached a time where that's the that's the key here, right? Like, I think we're, we're getting too hung up when class-based about what is a battle royale fps but the fact that more games are going free to play is a model that is really going to help gamers and help developers and i think we gotta look back at something like what's that was it warframe yeah that initially came out that was like a destiny but destiny mixed with like right. almost like halo and call yeah oh, very action oriented so, still out still getting content updates yeah, yeah exactly and so it's it's those types of models when you first look at it and back in the day right we, we for free to play meant crap you know what it meant? Right. It meant subpar. It mm-hmm. meant not worthy of our of our full attention. But games like Warframe and even Fortnite, you know, have paved the way for bigger IPs like Call of Duty to come out with Warzone and now Ghost Recon, a, a very beloved franchise. So uh, the fact that this is has the Ghost Recon name attached to it with a first-person shooter is interesting because Ghost Recon has famously been a third-person shooter. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, like I said, it just seems like they're doing, they decided, they somebody got in a boardroom and said yes to every idea. <laughs> Who's got an idea? Raise your hand, because we're saying yeah. yes today. <laughs> Lately, that kind of seems to be what what Ubisoft has been has been doing. Like their their strategy is is very clear and very different from what it used to be. In that, and we talked about this before on the show that there was some new news that broke. I think it was several months ago about them shifting their their approach to how they make games to be more on the free to play side, and that mm. that comes in the form of not only this game but also X Defiant that's going to be an upcoming arena-based shooter, right, with the with the factions between different Tom Clancy games like uh, from mm. uh, The Division and Splinter Cell and Ghost Recon kind of all. Oh, um, that's going to be really cool. It looks really cool, and it's going to be a free-to-play game. So any kind of, of streaming service... Ubisoft is going all in on, whether that's Amazon Luna or, or Google Stadia, you name it. Yeah. They definitely want to be the, the game publisher that you can play anywhere. Because not only are they doing that, they're also making sure that that cross-platform compatibility is a thing, right? As, as somebody that that potentially might play uh, Rainbow Six uh, Siege on Stadia, mm, okay, I can yeah. I can cross-platform play with PC players if I want to. So th- that kind of thing is really important, but it, it's such an important deal because if you have a free-to-play game on a streaming service, that is such a huge draw that literally oh, yeah. anybody Big can time. just make an account and pop yep. on that game without needing the hardware, without necessarily needing a controller or a console. Um, I, I think Ubisoft is going in a great direction with with continuing to make games accessible to people. And so the more yeah. free-to-play games that are decent or better in your library that people can just click and play day one, the better off I think uh, gamers are and the better off that uh, that Ubisoft is by by bringing in those, those customers that they wouldn't uh, have otherwise. And of course... Just uh, knowing that we have an upcoming F2P CBBR FPS, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> give him, give him some applause for that. Thank you, thank you. If you, if you well hadn't deserved. typed it out in the show notes, I would have had no shot. That's fantastic. 
<laughs> well, Bruno, more news to get to, but first, let's kick it over to Larry from the World 1-1 Podcast Network for the Hard Copy Hounds shortlist. Welcome to Hard Copy Hounds, powered by the World 1-1 Network and sponsored by Premium Edition Games and their upcoming Series 3 release, Cathedral. Let's get into the Hard Copy Hounds shortlist. Starting this week with LimitedRunGames.com, where you can order your copies of the following. Axiom Verge 2 for the Switch and PS4 and an open pre-order through October 31st, as well as Axiom Verge 1 and 2 Combo Pack for the Switch and PS4, also on an open pre-order through the 31st of October. Iconfell for Switch and PlayStation 4 is in an open pre-order through October 24th. Nine Witches Family Disruption for the PlayStation 4 has a limited release of 2,000 copies worldwide with pre-orders going live on October 8th. One Step from Eden on the Switch and PlayStation 4 is in an open pre-order that wraps up on October 10th and Pathway for the Switch has an open pre-order that goes live on October 8th and runs through November 7th. Turok for the PlayStation 4 is in an open pre-order through the 17th of October as well as Turok 2 Seeds of Evil and the Turok and Turok 2 Seeds of Evil bundle for PlayStation 4 with open pre-orders running through October 17th. Moving down the line, we're taking a look at SuperRareGames.com where you can put in your orders for the Deponia Collection, Ida, Last Day of June, Little Inferno, Metal Unit, which goes on sale with 4,000 copies available worldwide on October 7th, the Me Poo Me Collection, Monster Prom XXL, Old School Musical, Roki, Smoke and Sacrifice, Unrailed, and Yes Your Grace, all for the Switch. Down the line is SpecialReserveGames.com, where you can pre-order your copy of Demon Throttle for the Switch in an open pre-order running through November 15th. You can also pick up your copy of Piku Niku and Heave Ho, both for the Switch with Loop Hero and Weird West coming soon and rounding it out is our sponsor premiumeditiongames.com where you can currently put it in your order for your copy of the pigeon dev games collection on the switch and keep your eyes peeled for the upcoming series 3 release on switch cathedral and that's the hard copy hound shortlist and thanks, as always, to Larry and everybody over at the World 1-1 Podcast Network for providing that segment. If you're looking for some great conversations about gaming, highly recommend the World 1-1 Podcast. Well, Bruno, let's dive right back into it because we do have one more big story about just the money that uh, that Apple is making hand over fist in the mobile gaming market. A report came out showing that Apple made over $8 billion, with a B, on games wow. in the year 2019. Just in 2019, this is pre-pandemic numbers, Bruno, before everybody was stuck yeah. at home with their phones all day. Exactly. Um, that they made more money on games than Xbox, Sony, Nintendo, and Activision combined for that that year. This report coming from the Wall Street <laughs> Journal just absolutely absurd and you know I, yeah. I really think that there's a narrative going around right now when when people get into it of the advantages of playstation versus xbox versus nintendo right what people do right and what people do wrong i hear this come yeah. up a lot people talking about how having exclusives is imperative to having a successful video game business you know especially on the hardware side as someone that is a, a console. And you can really call Android and, and Apple, you know, consoles in their own sense, right? Because uh, games, when they come out for mobile, they may come out for one, but not the other. They may come out on both. Yeah, there's the cross-platform questions, right? Will they work across uh, yeah. from, from one version to the other? And looking at this, what is Apple making, Bruno? Absolutely nothing. nothing. They nothing. are making nothing. They are literally just hosting the store that people put these games on, they take their 30% cut of the revenue on all purchases. Mm -hmm. It said the players reportedly spend $45 billion 
uh, spent wow. 45 billion on mobile games uh, in the 2020 fiscal year. So talking about a surge, right? That we're talking about yeah. 8 billion in 2019, and now we're seeing this number come out about 45 billion dollars on mobile games. Yeah. Here's where the the whale problem comes in, right? You know, South yeah. Park did a great episode on this about talking about the problem. I think the, the episode's called Freemium Isn't Free. About, mm, uh, I love that. There, yeah, yeah, there's a, a great, great monologue at it's the end. It's a really great episode. Yeah, about how you know the, the people that make these games, they're counting on that top 1% to, to get addicted to their game. And th- this this really, really puts the numbers, I think it's staggering. I, I would have oh, yeah. guessed probably maybe half of this. The, the stat is that the top 1% of spenders, Bruno, made up for over 64% of sales on the App Store. So out of that $8 billion yeah. that they made, 64% of it came from just 1% of the people that were spending money. And those people, on average, spent about $2,700 per wow. year. Of course, the players that are that are commonly referred to as whales in any type yeah. of free-to-play game that are usually the target for these types of games. What's the most you've ever spent on a mobile game, Bruno? Be honest. Uh, $100 is the most I ever spent on, yeah. a, on a on a mobile game. Yep. That was about the most I've ever spent, and that was to get a bunch of currency, and I was playing it pretty hardcore at yeah. the time. It was one of those, like, you know, timed things where, you know, you could get a lot more if you had some of the 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 coinage and mm-hmm. I got it for, as a Christmas gift one year. It was like Apple Apple stuff. Oh, okay. So I was yeah. like, I don't use it for any uh, anything other than that, right? So I used it for that that one game. That's the most I've ever spent on a uh, a mobile game. But the whole Apple Fortnite debacle didn't happen until 2020, around like August. Just did a quick Google search and it said that Apple removed the popular video game Fortnite from its app store on August 13th. And that was uh, written in 2020. So obviously the the 2019 stats of Apple made more money on games than any other place combined I think has a lot to do with epic and Fortnite being on the App Store and the cut that they got from that I believe somebody it. obviously at epic said you're right they're making too much money off of this for 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 doing nothing yeah. or doing absolutely nothing and it's not surprising that they got into this battle right mm-hmm. where where they're basically saying you're you're charging too much for for these types of these types of services um, for us to put them on there and then to hardball people and say, no, you can't exit the app store to make a purchase like for the for the game. Right. Seems counterintuitive to any any real business. It just goes to show you the tight hold that Apple tries to 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 have when their app developers and in and, mm-hmm. their store, it's very proprietary. And if you're not playing by their rules, then they're going to make life hard for you. But unfortunately for them, I will be interested to see what this money looks like this year, 2020 or 2021 and last year, 2020 to see if it dipped, because if it dipped, I think that is 100% proof that Epic had a huge, huge impact on the overall revenue that Apple was making. Now, this is aside from the fact that I will say this from a marketing standpoint, the top 1% of uh, spenders gave them 64% of the the revenue. That's typical. 
So it's typical for your core base to spend the most money with you. That's why they offer more for people who spend more at their store, right? Like they don't care about people who, you know, they might have like an entry coupon for certain people to get you inside the door. But if you really spend thousands and thousands of dollars with the store, then they're going to to give you incentives to spend more money in that case. So this is a this is a trend in, in most businesses. It goes to show you that marketing and retargeting advertising is what's most important because if someone spent money with you once, they will more than likely spend money with you again if they've had a good experience or they like the product that you're selling. That is just a a fun little marketing tip from the minds at Pierce Unlimited. What it do? Man, I mean, you're just you're just <laughs> giving little nuggets of wisdom on this show. I'm telling you, yeah. you come for the video game news, you stay for the you stay for the marketing advice, right? Oh exactly. man, <laughs> that's great. But yeah, man, it's just it's crazy, and you know, it, it's so disheartening for me to see the the numbers balloon like this when you know so so much of it comes from free to play games. Even though I think there are models like what Epic is doing that make sense, that Epic really wasn't effectively part of this this stat. I, especially when I see what happened when Nintendo came into the the mobile games market, man, I really really thought they were going to be the disruptors who could come in and set their own status quo, right? Because when they first entered the market, right, the, the first game that they released, not, not not the first, but the first big IP was Mario, right? Super Mario Run. The game yeah. comes out and there is not microtransactions. Instead, you can play like the first like world for free and then they charged a flat amount. I think when it first came out, it was somewhere in the vicinity of 10 bucks, 10 yeah, US dollars that. that you could pay to unlock the rest. And like most gamers... I, I downloaded it, I played the free levels, and then when presented with the option to pay 10 bucks, I just didn't. I was with you. I wanted to, and I felt like I should, because I enjoyed the game, but I'm like, I have so many other games I could be playing instead of this, why would I spend the money? And I've already got a subscription to the New York Times or for when I'm sitting on the pooper, yeah. so, you know, what do I even... And so now, you know, and they, they've admitted outright, like, that didn't work. Like, that that model did not play out, so now they're yeah. right in that, in that microtransaction free-to-play abyss that a lot of games are mario kart tour you know a lot of mario kart fans are very jaded because you know their favorite mario kart games like mario kart uh, 8 are not getting any content updates and instead mario kart tour is getting all the new characters all the new tracks but of Mm. course there's that battle pass style monthly subscription behind it and extra dlc uh, or rather uh, kind of loot boxes that you can purchase Uh, you can spend a pretty penny on that game and that plus animal crossing almost any ip you can think of that they've been able to bring now into the mobile space follows that, you know, you can spend a hundred bucks in one shot if you really want to model and not even be sure about what you're going to get. It's uh, it's unfortunate because seeing them cave in to me is kind of the last stand of, of mobile, Mm. uh, of, of major gaming entities that tried to come in and do things their way and just got shut down by the sheer numbers And these numbers don't lie. You start talking about billions, right? Well, here's the thing. I think we're we're coming to a very, very interesting apex in mobile gaming that might soon shift with the cloud gaming surge, essentially. With things like Game Pass and Stadia and like you had said before with with the Ubisoft uh, model that they're they're doing, I think we might start to see more of these services come to mobile apps and, and come in the form of mobile apps. We're already bridging that gap 
where uh, our phones are essentially a, a very, very powerful PC for us to be able to play these games, right? So I think we're eventually going to get to a point where mobile gaming in this form of apps takes a dip and we start to see a shift in cloud gaming towards these these things because you know with with things like the Razer Kishi or you know being able to just essentially hook up your bluetooth controller to your your device allows you to play these games on things like uh Xbox Game Pass and Stadia as you mentioned those that type of freedom to be able to play the games that you would play on a console on your on your mobile app is where it's at that's where mobile or that's where mobile gaming quote unquote is really going and i think that the the idea of having an app specific app for gaming is is not going to go away mind you because there will always be uh smaller developers that can produce more easily on something like this but you know if if apple keeps up with with the amount of money that they take just for being on the platform. You know, we had talked about this for our QTB app. And the reason why it's not on iOS is because it's just too expensive. Yeah. Like it's very, very expensive. And so Android makes it much easier in that respect for us to have an app. And speaking of which, Nick, tell them about the app. (laughs) Of course, the QTB network Android app. Just search for QTB network on the Google Play Store, you can get that app. And Bruno, it's going to give you access to all of our both in-house shows and our network podcasting partners like One Hour, One Decision, and our upcoming shows as well. A very simple one-click play. Uh, yeah, there's a spot there for each podcast. You click on it, or tap on it, rather, and you'll be instantly listening to the latest episode, or you can go back and pick an episode. Also, uh, we have access to the blog there. You can do in-app without having mm-hmm. to go open up an external browser. It's all done through the, the QTB Network app. You want to read up on our latest stories about both the gaming world and beyond, right? With the introduction of Gotta Watch, also some TV and film articles in there as well. And easy access, easy shopping to all of the uh, QTB Network merch available on the Amazon store. You can browse that uh, and even shop right there through the app. Lots to do. And of course, Bruno... Uh, the perfect yeah. companion to that app is our website. Tell them about it. Oh my goodness! Well, guys, ex- exactly what you get on the uh, the app is what you get on the website because it pretty much links to the website. Here's the interesting thing, though: go to our network page because that's where you're going to be able to find all the podcasts we talked about, including our Gotta Watch podcast, also hosted by Nick and myself, as well as our other co-host Brad who does Brad's beers on the QTV podcast. You can listen to some awesome stuff all throughout the network page. But if you head over to the community page, you can follow us on all the socials that we have. That's TikTok. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can chat with us on Discord. You can come in to the channel and say hi. Terry's on there. He's got his own fan club. There's some memes and goodies. Man, it's awesome. And you'll also see our shout-outs to all of our patrons on the community page as well. We do appreciate them again. Nick. Yeah. What do you got? Absolutely nothing. Take it to the bridge. Oh, you can listen to us wherever podcasts are heard. Every Wednesday, there's a new episode. Just search for Quit the Build. Until next time, for Nick, I'm Bruno. And for Bruno, I'm Nick. Peace out. What to do. Hands up. Do we kind of come on?